Well, good morning. Uh, Lisa, our curate, was originally down to preach on this passage, but she's jumped at the chance to go and uh, preside at a different church. I wonder why. <laughs> and of course, the passage today shows that the Bible is full of all sorts of stories for all sorts of reasons. So let's try and make some sense of what we just heard. Um, the reason I asked Bob to uh, do something with the Book of Common Prayer today is I, I did have a hope that we had some and that everyone could have had one to, uh, to follow, but uh, unfortunately we don't. We gave them away a number of years ago, apparently. Um, but I have one here. And if you do have or you have access to the Book of Common Prayer, which is the official prayer book of the Church of England, even though it was finalized in 1662, um, you go to the back page, you will find a table of kindred and affinity. In other words, those people you can marry and those people you can't marry. And it's there for a reason, and the reason is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Leviticus 18, 1 to 23 provides a whole list of sexual sins, which ends in bestiality. Um, that covers a whole range of other relationships which in God's eyes should not take place. Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways because this is how the nations I'm going to drive out before you became defiled, says Leviticus 18.24. So there is no doubt that what happened in this story is not something that God would condone. Now, if you, uh, I looked up uh, Metro Online, the most controversial uh, soap storyline, number eight in the top ten, was Nat and George Simpson's incestuous relationship. They were brother and sister. They knew they were brother and sister, but they loved each other anyway and didn't tell anyone else. According to The Sun Online, there were eight times they reported where people found out after they'd married that they were actually related to their spouse. So it seems that even modern culture would look at these things and think this is not the way things should be. Now it doesn't stop with the Old Testament. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 5, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. And you are proud, shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning? And at the centre of all of these stories that we see in the Bible, there are three characters. There's God and his good plan for his people, boundary lives, lives with him. There's the people who are at the centre of the story, and there are those round the backs. And uh, the Bible often uses the, the short uh, term, the world to describe both, the, the, the culture around. And the model is that the people at the centre of the story are centred on God and on his good plan with the boundaries that he gives, because the boundaries can get distorted, especially when the world comes up with its own boundaries that are not from God, in other words, godless boundaries. So let's go back to get some of the backstory and then look at the story that we have today. We've been following the story of Abraham. So uh, Terah had three sons, uh, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And they were called Canaan 
um, from Haran, or Abram was called to Canaan from Haran. So Terah moved. Um, Abram received a promise that he was going to be uh, the start of a great nation. He goes to Egypt, he lies about Sarah, his sister. And then we find in chapter 13 of Genesis that we have Abraham and we have Lot. Lot is his nephew. And they have so much wealth, they have so much cattle and, and livestock and land and people that they start bickering about what they're going to do. So they split. And Abraham says to Lot, you take whichever bit you want. So he goes to the plain and Abraham takes the mountains and moves uh, towards Canaan. Then there's a war in chapter 14. Various of the kingdoms around pick on various other kingdoms around, and as a result of which, Lot gets uh, taken away, gets captured, and Abraham saves him. And that was the time at which Abraham met Melchizedek, who was the king priest, who points towards Jesus, who blessed him. Abraham is childless in chapter 15, but God makes a covenant with him about the, his children will be as many as the stars in the sky, and that's where his, credit, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Then we get the rather mucky story of Hagar and Ishmael, and then we get the covenant. Now what you might notice is that Abraham's story unfolds with God over many, many years, about 30 years from the very first promise to when Isaac is born, who is, of course, Sarah and Abraham's child. Then we get the story in chapter 18, the three visitors, and Abraham shows radical hospitality to them, and again the promise is confirmed, and for Sarah this time, it is confirmed that she will have a child. Then chapter 19, and basically all we're told about Abraham, as he's now called, is that he's still in place with God, and at the end, he sees what has happened. So after all that story around Abraham, 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 he then takes a side stage. So what's Lot's story? Well, Lot, as said, was um, Abraham's nephew. His uh, father was Haran, but he died. And so uh, Lot goes with Abraham, or Abraham, depending on which bit of the story you're in, on this journey. So he goes to Egypt, we think. It doesn't specifically say that, but he probably did because he came back from there. Um, Lot, as we said, cho chooses the plain. Now the plain, he settled near Zoar, and he settled particularly in a city called Sodom. And we're told in 12, verse 12, that Sodom was a place of wickedness. Now, this was 25 years before the story we just heard. So he moves to Sodom and he stays there. Um, we're told that there was a war and that Lot gets taken away from Sodom because it was Sodom who lost the, the initial conflict and Abraham saves him. The next time we hear about, um, about Lot is actually the, the chapter 18. So that's four chapters where we get no mention of him. But what we know is he's still settled in Sodom. Now we meet him in chapter 19 and he's at the gate. That means he was in a senior position. 
It means he was revered and he, was, he had authority in that city. Two angels come to visit, quite similar to the three visitors that Abraham had. He again falls down on his face when they arrive and he offers them hospitality. He says, come stay. They wanted to go and stay somewhere else, but uh, he says, come stay with me. But then it all goes wrong because a whole gang of men from the, from the city come to the door and they say, bring out those two visitors because we want to do things to them. Lot is outraged that they would make this demand and to try and persuade them what he does is he doesn't fight them off, he doesn't try and persuade them, he offers his own daughters instead. Now the angels take over, they strike the men uh, blind, they drag Lot back in, they say flee to the mountains because we're going to destroy this city, we want to save you. Lot is afraid, he doesn't want to go to the mountains because it's going to be scary there, so he says let me go to this small town instead. So he goes to the town of Zoar. And as they flee, you probably know the story of Lot's wife, and we never get to hear her name, but she would, they were told, flee and do not look back. What did she do? She looked back and she was turned to a career talk. Whatever that means. That could have been this, you know, uh, sulfuric flames coming from the destruction, or it could be just exactly what it says. But she was given an instruction for her safety. She didn't do it. And that was all about. We're told in verse 29 that Abraham is still with God. He had, as you heard last week from Alison, been um, negotiating with God that Sodom would be spared if you could find just a few good people there. And God's mind, it seems, has changed, but it seems that Sodom wasn't, and therefore the destruction comes. And then we get this story. So they've escaped. There are now only three of them. They've, uh, Lot has lost his wife. The daughters have lost their mother. And irony of ironies, they are now in the mountains that they refuse to go to. And Lot has lost everything. His daughters have lost everything. It's all been destroyed in the city. So they're in a cave. In a magazine, they've lost everything, including uh, their loved ones. So what does he do? Well, they ply him with drink, and he gets drunk. That's not an unusual occurrence. But he gets so drunk that he can't remember what happened that night. And he does it two nights in a row. And they make what might seem the strangest decision. They had been engaged, and their fiancés had been destroyed as well. They were desperate. They made a really strange decision, which is that they slept with the one man who was around, who happened to be their father. The Bible is very clear that that shouldn't have happened. Wickedness 
continues through generations and generations. The two children that are born because of this story are known as Moab and Ben Ami, and they established two nations, Moab and Ammon, both of whom are in effect cursed for many generations afterwards. You may know the phrase, Moab is my wash pot, made famous by Stephen Fry of all people. Now wash pot was something which was used to wash feet, which were of course dirty, unkempt, nasty, when you just walked about in sandals all the time. So basically they're saying you are the lowest of the low. And um, it, it is clear that the reason for that was because of how those nations started. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, says Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Being tempted is not wicked. Giving in to temptation is. We call it sin. Now there's a Casting Crowns song called Slow Fade. And I'd just like to use the words of that think a little bit about what this might be saying to us. In the first verse, a couple of lines after, it's a little feet behind you. In this case, it would be Lot's daughters that are sure to follow. You may have seen on the back of buses that picture of just a beady eye, and it's talking to drivers saying, watch your speed because you know your son is. Have you seen that? The idea being that what is not just what we tell them, it's what they see, what we model. And that's what how children will respond, how we'll learn. But it's a little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to grey. And thoughts invade, choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. So the idea is that actually crises do happen, but very often we get to a place we ought not to be in by tiny little steps. We don't even realize for what they were. And then we look back and think, how did we get here? Lot chose to live in the plain and he settled in a place called Sodom. At a time that the Bible tells us it was a wicked place. He chose to stay he may have found it wicked and told himself he would stay righteous, but he stayed for 25 years, and year by year, decision by decision, blind eye by blind eye, he seems to have experienced a slow effect. Be careful with leers what you hear. When flattery leads to compromise. Now remember, that he was sat at the gate. That meant he was an elder of the city, of this wicked city. After 25 years, what compromises has he made to get into that position? The end is always near. Be careful little lips what you say, for empty words and promises leave broken hearts astray. So when faced with the prospect of broken hospitality to the men that visited Lot, offered his daughters. He could not take that back. 
those words, even though they were taken it by the angels. Empty words and promises of Lot could lead to the daughter's broken hearts and lead them astray. The journey from your mind to your hands is shorter than you think. Be careful if you think you stand, you just might be thinking. The boundary is evil thoughts because they can turn into actions quicker than we realize. A captive of your thoughts, also. So Lot's daughters were born and brought up surrounded by wickedness. They saw their father exalted and flattered by the wicked men that surrounded them. They experienced deep betrayal and they saw their homes and possession utterly destroyed, including the men they were betrothed to. They had just lost their mum. They are most likely in a desperate situation. Their thoughts can see only one way out. Progeny through the one man in sight. Doesn't matter that he's a father, does it? We've seen worse in Sodom. Every justification does not stop it being wicked. I've heard some arguments that we shouldn't be outraged since we don't understand their context, the customs of the time. The boundaries were different. Well, Leviticus tells us otherwise. Making excuses for normalizing wickedness is itself wickedness. Paul was as critical of those who sinned as those who encouraged them to do so. In Romans 1.32, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they do, uh, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve those who practice them. Meanwhile, the song ends. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful little eyes, what you see. So what were the human characters doing? Lot himself drifted to a place where he got so drunk that he couldn't remember what happened. The daughters were so conditioned in wickedness that they stepped right over God's boundaries. And God looked down in love and sadness how his family had fallen apart. So what does that mean for us? Firstly, accountability. We should seek direction and rebuke so that we don't continue on a path which takes us into wickedness. It says this in Proverbs. Wise is the man who will receive rebuke. We need to be rooted in truth. We need to seek God's truth and what God's good boundaries are for living. They're not thou shalt not. They are thou shalt be saved. And we should encourage others. We should be bold in holding others to account in love for they may not even know that they have strayed. Let's pray. Father, this is a hard passage. But I think we need hard passages to draw us back to you. And we thank you that you look on every situation with love, no matter how distorted or distracted it might become. And you can always change any situation when we turn back to you. Help us to know that we need help. Help us to ask for that help. 
to have the humility to do so, and have the desire to be with you rather than driven away from you. Help us to listen to the right voices, but help us to know that you look at us in love and you want any wicked situation to be transformed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.